1: Hey, reader. I'm Cindy Burnett. Welcome to my award winning podcast, Thoughts from a Page, which is a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. On the show, I chat with authors whose books I have enjoyed about their new releases, and I give you a peek behind the curtain of the publishing industry with my behind the scenes series. With so many books coming out weekly, it can be hard to decide what to read, so I find the best ones and share them with you. If you're looking for a community of readers, bonus content, and a chance to read books before they hit the shelves, I hope you'll consider joining my Patreon group, which is filled with a wonderful bunch of book lovers. The link to join is in the show notes. Do you love to be in the know about upcoming books? Kelly Hooker of at Kelly Hook reads books and I do too. We couldn't find a comprehensive list of titles all in one place, so we made one ourselves and now we're sharing it with you. Our literary lookbook is a list of 182 books releasing from January to May, 2024, curated for our communities. The link to buy it is in my show notes. Today I am chatting with Katie Katugno about Meet the Benedettos. Katie is the New York Times bestselling author of six young adult romance novels and is also the co-author with Candace Bushnell of Rules for Being a Girl. In addition to her young adult books, she has ghostwritten six romance novels and self-published three more. She lives in Boston, Massachusetts. I hope you enjoy our conversation. If you really enjoy this podcast, I have another show that I've recently learned about and started listening to. It's called The Book Bumble. Hosts Leslie Hopping and Laura Pleasants release new episodes each Wednesday, and every episode is surrounding a theme. Recent episodes are centered around the themes of books that surprised them, Mysteries 101, and books that have a strong sense of place. I feel like I read decently similar to them, so there is some overlap, which is fabulous. I love hearing them discuss in depth some of the books that I have read and loved, but then they've also put all sorts of other books on my radar, some that I'd passed over thinking maybe they wouldn't appeal to me, and others that I wasn't familiar with. One of my favorite things about listening is that I always come away with at least one new read. They can be found on all major platforms, and I highly recommend checking them out. And again, that's the Book Bumble. Welcome, Katie. How are you today? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I loved Meet the Benedettos. I had so much fun with it. Oh, thank you so much. I had a lot of fun writing it. I bet you did. And I have so many questions. But before I ask them, will you give me a quick synopsis of the book for those that haven't read it yet?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the elevator pitch for Meet the Benedettos is basically Pride and Prejudice meets the Kardashians. The book is about a family of washed up reality stars who are living In this falling-down McMansion in Calabasas, and then the up-and-coming star of a wildly popular action franchise that moves in across the development, um, along with his best friend, um, Will Darcy, who is a handsome but emotionally stunted Shakespearean actor. Um, It's part romance, it's part ensemble comedy, and it was just, as I was saying, really fun to write.
1: Well, I loved this premise, The Kardashians Meet Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. So I have never watched The Kardashians. I can't even keep them straight. My kids laugh at me. They're like, this is that one, this is that one. And I'm like, I don't know any of that. But I love, love, love Pride and Prejudice. And I almost always try to read the retellings or, you know, stories inspired by it. Yeah. So tell me how you came up with this combination. Yeah. Um, you know, I
0: think I have always been a Jane Austen fan. Um, and Pride and Prejudice, I feel like, is just such a timeless story that still feels really modern. And I I feel like we when you think about the Bennett's, you know, they are, there's so much happening around class and around they, you know, the how they're sort of accepted into polite society, but only grudgingly, you know, they're such strivers. And I feel like, you know, when you're reading it from a modern perspective, like, how do you look at it and not think like it's giving Kardashians, you know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Or other reality stars that are trying to break in that way and everybody else kind of looks down on them a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Well, tell me about the research that you did.
0: Yeah. You know, I honestly, you were saying that like you're not so much of a reality TV watcher. I am also not so much of a reality TV watcher. You know, I do a little bit of Great British Bake Off, but I am not really a Kardashian person either, um, which I think actually really helped me. Because, you know, we are, I, the Benedettos are certainly inspired by the Kardashians, but I wanted them to feel really different and really very much like themselves. So I did a little bit of research in terms of just like how the logistics of like filming a reality show might work, uh, you know, a little bit of Los Angeles research, but I also did a lot of, I call it hand-waving. I was like, that sounds right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think you're right. I mean, with what I know about the Kardashians, they really are kind of a modern Bennett family and they do share some of the characteristics. So it seemed to me that it worked quite well.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, the five, like you just look at the five daughters and, you know, it, it does feel like a tidy match.
1: (laughs) Well, retellings seem like they're all the rage right now. Why do you think that is? And I realize yours is part retelling, but part inspiration as well. It just seems like that's very popular right now.
0: Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot um, in terms of just like sort of where we are as a society right now, where the culture is. And like, I certainly find myself like rewatching the same shows and rereading the same sorts of books over and over because it does feel so comforting to sort of like know how something is going to end. And so I I think there's a lot of that happening right now. And I, but I also feel like, you know, we want, sort of a fresh twist on the old stories. And so there's something really nice about working within, you know,
1: those sets of confines. Was it daunting taking on Pride and Prejudice? Oh my God, of
0: course. Yes, absolutely. I mean, first of all, Jane Austen is Jane Austen. Second of all, you know, there are so many retellings um, and so many sort of reimaginings of this story that it it felt challenging in a good way to make it feel really fresh and also to make it the book something that would stand on its own for someone who like has not read the original or someone who's not a Jane Austen fan. Um, I didn't want it to feel like inside baseball. I wanted it to really sort of stand
1: on its own. That makes sense. And I think that you followed the story somewhat, but then you also went in your own direction as well, which then accomplished what you just described.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I didn't, like when I was first doing my outline, like it really was a very, because I'm an outliner, um, and it really was like at first a one-to-one sort of like this scene becomes this scene. And it wasn't, it wasn't feeling right. You know, I wanted to, it wasn't giving the characters sort of enough breathing room. Um, So I wanted to, in the end, like really capture the spirit of the original, but let these characters do what they were going to do.
1: You strengthen the bond between the sisters. They are closer and kinder to each other than Austin's Bennett sisters are. Of course, they're siblings, so there are times when they're not nice to each other. What siblings are <laughs> all the time? But that was one thing that I really liked was that I felt that they had each other's backs.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Um, my sister is my favorite person in the whole world, so um, I'm always eager to tell a sister story. Um, and that actually was something that I had noticed. I, you know, I didn't. I haven't read a ton of Pride and Prejudice retellings, but I've read a few. And I think they work the best when, yeah, when the sisters are the, I mean, and this, is, this book is a love story, but I think it's a love, there are a lot of different kinds of love stories happening within it. Um, and it was important to me that one of the main ones was the love story between
1: and among the sisters. It's just nice to see that strong bond on the page.
0: Yeah. Um, and they're I mean, they were so the five of them are so much fun to write. The sort of familiarity that they have with each other, the way they banter, the way that you sort of know they've been making these same jokes for their entire lives. It just sort of works.
1: Was it difficult to find the right names for each of the characters, especially the main characters, the Bennett sisters, Will and Charlie, and the last name?
0: Um, so I knew um that I wanted so um Mr. Benedetto is, Dominic Benedetto is from um, Newark, New Jersey. He's an Italian guy whose family is still back in Newark. And I knew that I wanted them to feel sort of like outsiders in LA, like a family that had not grown up in, in Los Angeles. Um, and so Benedetto came sort of quickly to me when I was sort of conceiving um, how the book was going to work. The sisters were a little trickier, but I, you know, I didn't want it to th- them to feel, I wanted them to be recognizable, but not, not too close. And then it felt like it was like to, I think, I mean, Will and Charlie are pretty close to the originals. And I feel like that, you know, you know what you're getting there.
1: <laughs> exactly. I was just so curious as I was reading, I was like, how does she decide like Jane to June, Yeah, you know, taking Lizzie or Elizabeth, making it Lily, and then Benedetto. I was just so curious, like how fun that was or how tricky it was. And if you just really had to play around a lot with it. Um.
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely, like there were a few iterations But they came pretty quickly.
1: What about their neighborhood? Is there inspiration for that in L.A.?
0: Yeah, you know, I really wanted it to feel, I think there's so much about Pemberley that is this, you know, it was this once grand, you know, manor house that has now sort of, fallen into disrepair, fallen on hard times. And so I wanted to sort of replicate that um, with Pemberley Grove, which is the falling down development that the Benedettos live in. And, you know, in the book, it's described when they bought it, you know, 15 years ago, it was like the most beautiful house that Lily had ever seen. It was, you know, new construction. uh, You know, there was a fountain and a swimming pool. And really, you know, it sort of felt like they were arriving. Um, They had lived in the valley before that. You know, I think sort of as like a metaphor for fame, it was not, you know, this this house was not everything it was sort of cracked up to be. It sort of started falling apart more or less immediately. And, you know, they still love it. And now they are in danger of that they You find out pretty early on in the book that they're about to foreclose on this this house. And yeah, so it's, it's falling apart, but it, it's still their home. And so there's this sort of ticking
1: clock of how are they going to manage to save the house? But even the entire neighborhood is almost that way.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, There's sort of a running joke, which is that. um, So Charlie Bingley, who is sort of your Captain America type character, he rented the house sight unseen. Um, And so the realtor sort of sold him a a false bill of goods. And he's just too nice of a guy to, to tell her that he hates it and wants to move somewhere else. And yeah, so he sort of finds himself in this the situation that is not quite what he thought it was going to be.
1: And I liked the metaphor for fame because you have this neighborhood that seems so nice at first and then behind the scenes, everything's falling apart and definitely fame seems like it is that way often.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, You know, I think that the Benedettos definitely pursued this life and some of them are still hungry for it in ways that others might not be. But I think, yeah, they have sort of discovered that it's not quite everything they thought that it was going to be. Which
1: leads me into my next question, mm-hmm. which is that reality TV is becoming such a component of our culture. You know, it, it is everywhere and all different types of shows, The Kardashians, True Crime, the various competitive shows. And it's just fascinating to me to see how it is being incorporated into fiction and the ways that different authors approach it.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's not even just like reality TV now. It's influencers. So some of the Benedetto sisters are like now doing like a ton of online influencing. Um, and it was really sort of fun to play with. Like, you know, they're famous, but they're not not—they're not necessarily famous in a good way. It hasn't, you know, they, they have more notoriety than they do like recognition or respect or acclaim. Um, so that was really fun to play with as well.
1: Well, yes, they're influencers, but I'm not sure they're really influencing anyone.
0: Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it still happens to me, but not nearly as much as it used to. But my kids would start talking about these people that have reached notoriety or fame on YouTube or TikTok. And I'd be like, that's what they're known for? Like, that's how they're famous? And it was such a shock to me at first that that was a thing. And I think it's just very interesting to see it play out on the page.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, that's how you want to spend your one wild and precious life. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Dancing on TikTok. Or there are these two guys who now do some shaving ad. And I said to my husband, like, or actually said to my husband and son, are they famous? And John goes, oh, yeah, they're all over TikTok. And I was like, oh, okay, how funny. Because I thought maybe they were sports figures and I just didn't know them. Right. It was kind of funny that that is it's really pervasive. Oh, for sure. You tell the story from multiple points of view, Lily and Will mainly, but with several others thrown in. How did that come about? Was that something that you did from the beginning?
0: Yeah, um, it was really important to me. I wanted to write something that felt a little bigger and more ambitious um, than books I had worked on before. And part of that was like having a large ensemble cast. Will and Lily are definitely, you know, sort of the main beating heart of of the book. But I really wanted to hear from, you know, Cinta Benedetto, who is um, the Mrs. Bennett character, and all of Lily's sisters and from Charlie. And it really was fun to, you know, get the other character's perspectives on what was going on and to sort of give each one of them their own turn to be the main character.
1: And without spoiling anything, the very last point of view is just fabulous. And I loved the way you wrapped the story up.
0: Oh, thank you so much. That was fun. <laughs>
1: that was very clever. <laughs> so this will get people reading the book, but I just loved it. It just made me smile. I was looking back at it again this morning and I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. That's so fun.
0: Yeah, I had sort of written myself into a corner and I was like, how am I going to solve this problem? And, you know, it just like really did. Every once in a while, like a solution will come to you in just like a flash and you're like, okay, like, this is great. Let's do this.
1: That's it. I've got it. <laughs> You say you outline, so tell me a little bit more about your writing process.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I am definitely an outliner. I go in with a pretty detailed outline, and I, I start with plot, uh, which I know like a lot of people consider like sort of a hacky way to begin. But for me, like I don't. It's hard for me to know who my characters are until I put them on the page and move them around and put them in different scenarios. So I sort of write through the outline. And to like a very short, what I call like a zero draft, um, which is usually around 30,000 words, just like getting through the, the book. And I'm just sort of telling myself the story. Um, and then once I get through that, it's easier for me to go back and say, oh, like you are this kind of person. And then I can just start over and sort of layer in the information that I have learned about the characters and build them out that way.
1: And how long does that take you? That's a
0: great question. It sort of depends on the book. Um, with Meet the Benedettos, it took me actually quite quite a long time. I'm usually pretty fast, but I rewrote this one probably three or four times over the course of about a year, I would say. Generally, I'm faster than that, but this one was, this one took a a couple of tries to get right.
1: Probably trying to combine the Kardashians and Pride and Prejudice just took a little bit. Right? I know how to think it through. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Is this really how it's going to work? But it's a perfect combination because, I mean, as we talked before, you think about the Bennetts and and how they're viewed by everybody. And I think that's a very similar analogy to the Kardashians.
0: Yeah, they're just they're they're starving in a way, you know? They're they're very hungry. Yeah, definitely. In a way that really
1: reminded me of the Kardashians. Well, what surprised you the most in writing this one?
0: The thing that surprised me the most was probably what a tricky character Mr. Darcy is to get correct. Um, I've written a lot of romance in my life and I think I was a little overconfident going in, uh, in terms of like knowing who he was and how he would react and also like how to make him both uptight and appropriately sexy. Um, his voice was, I think the most difficult
1: to nail down and it did take me a few tries to get it right. That's interesting. And I always think that the Mrs. Bennett character would be really hard to get right as well.
0: She actually felt very, she felt familiar to me quickly. I was surprised. She is, and I mean, there is a tendency, you know, you, of course, you want to make her a little bit over the top and a little bit like Kris Jenner-esque, a little bit ridiculous. But I think the trick for me was to, like, I had so much love and empathy for her and giving her her own chapter towards the end of the book also really helped me with that.
1: That's interesting that you have empathy for her because she's always my least favorite character in that story. And yeah. I love Mr. Bennett, but you have to also kind of realize, okay, he is likable, but he really needs a spine. Mr. Bennett's not a great dad. No, he's really not. You know, you want to like him because he yeah. he's kind of this lovable person, but he isn't a great dad. Right.
0: He also like clearly has favorites of his daughters, which is not that
1: nice. <laughs> well, Unless you're one of the favorites, right?
0: Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> what about the sisters? Was it pretty easy to get their voices right?
0: It wasn't difficult to get their voices right. What was difficult for me was making sure that each one of them felt distinct. Particularly, you know, in those scenes where they're all sort of talking over each other um, and they're all in the room, it felt important to that the reader, you know, who has not spent as much time with them as I have, be able to
1: distinguish them. That's one of the things about Pride and Prejudice that's always interesting to me. And of course, now all the names will escape me except for Jane and Lizzie. But the two youngest, they're pretty indistinguishable until you get farther along in the story. And then obviously Lydia has her own path that she takes. But for a long time, the two of them are just kind of these little magpies. Oh, for sure. So I think that's interesting. So yes, trying to distinguish all of them, I can see where that would be difficult. Yeah.
0: I mean, five is a lot of girls.
1: (laughs) It is a lot of girls. (laughs) Well, what was the hardest part of writing the book?
0: I mean, I think there is, to retell Pride and Prejudice is an ambitious project to take on. And so I think there definitely were times when I was like, what exactly have I gotten myself into here? Um, You know, Pride and Prejudice meets the Kardashians felt like such a like, like we were saying, like a no brainer, like an easy elevator pitch. And then once I really like got into the weeds with it, I was like, I might be a little bit in over my head here. It was easy to write my way in, but writing my way out was a little trickier.
1: And as you said, you started out following the story closely, but then decided to diverge a little bit as you kept writing.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Plus, it would be very, very long if you followed Pride and Prejudice. I always feel like it's kind of a long book. I mean, I love it. It's one of my all time favorite stories, but it is longer.
0: Yeah, you got to kind of move along at a study clip if you're going to attempt to retell it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, tell me about the title and the cover.
0: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That cover is. I'm obsessed with it. It's so beautiful. Um, the art is by an artist named Jessica Brilly, um, who, if you follow her on Instagram, her, her work is just really stunning. And it feels just, when I like, it feels so elevated to me. I, like, when I first saw that, I'm like, I've been writing books since 2013. And I saw this and I was like, this looks like a book that a real author has written. <laughs> and was, I feel like the, she evoked the mood of the book, um, the brightness of the book. But also sort of the, you know, the depth and the seriousness of some of the themes that I'm trying to hit, just really in a way that
1: was so lovely. Is she a cover designer or is she an artist that they bought the artwork from?
0: She is an artist that they bought the artwork from.
1: Okay, I'm always so curious how that works because it's so varied.
0: Yeah. Um, So um, Robin Billardello is the um, senior art director at Harper, who is the one that did the design. But the art, yeah, was Jessica Brilli.
1: I love it because I don't like those what I call cartoonish, but that sounds negative. But like the really graphic photos, like graphic like cartoon.
0: Yeah, I feel like there is definitely uh, an aesthetic in romance covers right now that like, I mean, I think they're really fun, but I I do feel like they're sort of ubiquitous. Um, And after a while, it gets hard to sort of tell the books apart. So I was really excited that this looked different than other um, paperbacks that you might see on the shelf.
1: Absolutely. You said that way more articulately than I did, but that's exactly what I meant. (laughs) And I do feel like it's hard to tell them apart. And I just don't love that design. It's just not my favorite. But I loved this one. I thought it was beautiful. It's actually what caught my attention before I even read the description when it came through in the email. I was like, what a great cover. Thank you. And then did we talk about the title? We did not talk about
0: the title. So the title comes from um, the title of the former reality show that the Benedettos had. Meet the Benedettos, Ran on like a you know now defunct cable uh, cable network, and you can you can stream it now, but it you know, you have to buy like a weird streaming package that will does halfway through the book when he's like trying to get the scoop on Lily. but yeah, I thought it was sort of a a fun nod to the their reality star background
1: and the craziness of streaming and how there are so many platforms and as you mentioned, some of them come and go and that you have oh, to yeah. pay for each one and just another thing that is very. Today.
0: Yes, for sure.
1: Well, before we wrap up, what books have you read recently that you really liked?
0: Yeah. Um, so I just finished Emma Klein's The Guest, um, which is not really at all a read-alike for me the Benedettos, but it is like sort of a dark literary, I wouldn't quite call it a thriller, but it definitely made me a little bit uneasy about a woman that is moving through um, sort of Hampton. I guess there are some themes in common. She's moving through high society in the Hamptons and leaving sort of a trail of destruction in her wake. And then I also write a bunch of, um, I've written a bunch of YA in my career. And so I just read, it comes out next year. It's called Six More Months of June by Daisy Garrison. Um, I read that to to blurb it. And it was So wonderful. Um, It really made me remember. It's just like it's a YA like classic love story um, coming of age and just like really reminded me why I love young adults so much. It was like really like big feeling tsunami, like very swoony, but also feeling very grounded and real. So that was that was a fun one.
1: Do you still write YA? Are you toggling back and forth? I
0: am toggling back and forth. I actually have a YA novel out um, next spring. It's called Hemlock House. Um, it's the follow-up to my YA that came out last year, Liar's Beach, um, which actually is another retelling. I was, I'm doing some Agatha Christie retellings um, on the YA side, and so Hemlock House is one of those.
1: Oh, that's fun. I'm going to have to yeah. tell my daughter about those because she loves YA.
0: I know. I'm really in my retelling era. <laughs>
1: You are. I was going to say, and what is it like tackling Agatha Christie? Think about tackling Jane Austen. Agatha Christie's right up there with her.
0: Seriously. It's been really fun. So instead of Hercule Poirot, we have um, switched him out for a brash, brilliant teenage girl named Holiday Proctor. And her sidekick is a handsome and sort of dopey lacrosse star named Michael Linden. Um, And they've been really fun. I didn't, like, I didn't have a mystery background before I started working on those. Um, So that's been, like, challenging in a great way.
1: It's always interesting to hear that from people that start out writing traditional fiction and then switch to mystery or add in mystery, how different it can be to write one.
0: Yes. I, and, like, I read a lot of mystery and, like, felt, like, pretty confident about my ability to, like, write a red herring and all that. But, Yeah, it's to try, and especially like if you're working from a a mystery that already exists, I was like, how hard can this be? But it's tricky. It's really hard.
1: Getting the pacing right is what people say over and over again. And And dropping in the clues. Yes.
0: And also to make it feel sort of sophisticated the way that her books do and not like, I was like, these guys, like, you don't want it to feel like Scooby-Doo, you know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Especially if you have younger characters. Yeah, Exactly. Well, Katie, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Thoughts from a Page podcast.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was so lovely. Hi, I'm Emma.
1: And I'm Joe, And And we're we're the the Professional Professional Book Book Nerds. Nerds.
0: Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe.
1: On Thursdays, we share
0: recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like, how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always,
1: happy happy reading.
0: reading! Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit?
1: Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I would love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook, where you can find me at Thoughts From a Page. If you enjoy the show, please consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. If you have a moment to rate the show or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts, I would really appreciate it. It makes a big difference. And please tell all of your friends about Thoughts From a Page. Word of mouth does wonders to help the show grow. The book discussed in this episode can be purchased at my bookshop storefront and the link is in the show notes. I hope you'll tune in next time.